You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Hello, everyone. I'm Jack Christides, and this is Billion Dollar Ballers, a show where we discuss the business of sports involving everything from the NCAA all the way up to the major leagues. And trust me, we have a packed show today. The NBA kicked off last night. We've got baseball games to talk about. We've got NCAA updates, NFL updates. So a lot of exciting things to talk to, and I'm just going to dive right in to the situation in the MLB right now. And uh, for those of you who haven't been following it so far, there have been some unfortunate happenings in the MLB lately, things that uh, are threatening not only the baseball season, but also uh, the season of other sports moving forward. Um, So currently the MLB, they've initiated an investigation into how there was a COVID-19 outbreak on the Marlins team. That team's actually had uh, reports say over 16 players and two coaches infected with the COVID-19 virus. Obviously, does not bode well for their season, being that we're still in the first week of their return. Um, We've had a lot of games canceled so far uh, due to this outbreak. Um, Potential for more games to get canceled as time goes on. And when we're dealing with a 60-game season like we are right now, every game is of the utmost importance. Uh, So hopefully they can get that under control. Uh, They're investigating to see what went wrong. Uh, Perhaps the Marlins didn't follow all their protocols, or or maybe they even did, and they're just learning that their protocols aren't as safe as they thought they would be. Um, But needless to say, uh, with an outbreak this large on one team, um, you have to assume some of the other teams are going to have outbreaks as well. And uh, and that's what just happened. Uh, if you look at the Philadelphia Phillies, they had two staff members test positive. It shut down their, uh, their weekend series that was scheduled for this weekend. Um, so we're seeing a lot of, lot of turmoil in the MLB. And, and when I say this could affect other sports, um, I'm really talking specifically about, in my mind, the NFL. So the NFL has a similar plan uh, to what the MLB has, and we're going to talk more specifically about that plan uh, in one of the upcoming segments. But um, without a an established bubble, for example, like the NBA has right now, where all the players are in one location, you know exactly who they're interacting with, uh, they can't leave the bubble, I mean, that's really, in my mind, the only way you can make sure that that none of the players or the faculty or the staff or anything are exposed to COVID-19. Because as we know, this is a virus that just spreads so quickly, so easily. And there's no way, I mean, there's no way to keep track of these players. There's no way to 100% ensure their safety. And and maybe they're not even doing anything out of line. Maybe they're just uh, picking up a, a food order or uh, dropping, uh, dropping their kids off at some sort of daycare, any, anything like that, any, any kind of normal thing that you might do from day to day is something that they have to watch themselves and be extremely careful of. Um, so hopefully the MLB finds a better way to monitor them and uh, they can do a better job of ensuring that the players don't get COVID-19 because right now their season's at risk and uh, definitely don't want to see their season get shut down after all that they went through to finally get this shortened season back. Now, uh, for the majority of this first segment, I'm going to do something that I've done occasionally on this show, but I'm going to dedicate a little more time to it today because 
I think it's an issue that's really not getting a lot of coverage, uh, and it is related to um, not only general sports, obviously, but the MLB specifically. Um, and that's talking about the MLB's minor league teams, um, specifically how these minor league teams are kind of getting the short end of the stick with all this COVID nonsense going on and how a lot of the players are really struggling right now and uh, they're not getting the type of support that they definitely deserve and need. Um, so as Major League Baseball has gone on, they've, they've obviously started their 2020 season. Um, there are still thousands of minor league players left at home watching, um, unable to throw on a uniform with their season completely canceled. Um, they're, in most cases, not getting paid. It, it is on a team-to-team basis. But um, for those of you unfamiliar uh, with the minor league system or what's happened with the minor league season so far, uh, the seasons were officially canceled on June 30th. Um, it obviously forced many layoffs, pay cuts. Um, and for most of these players, uh, the first time that they're going to have a summer not playing baseball for years. Um, I mean, and that's coming after, of course, all the summer camp games and training camps that these players have been in, um, which they didn't get paid for, where they have been tirelessly working to uh, hopefully prepare themselves for their upcoming seasons and potentially get a shot at making it to the major leagues. Um, And it really is sad. I mean, uh, I I was looking at a story of uh, a somewhat prominent minor league player um, who had gone five seasons earning right around $10,000 per season, a little less than $10,000 per season. Um, So in many cases... These minor league players, um, they're, they're somewhat like you and I. Yes, they're, they're playing minor league baseball. They do have a shot, hopefully, to eventually make it to the majors. But we're not talking about million-dollar contracts right now. Um, we're not talking about players who can live surely on their salary from playing baseball. Most of these guys, um, not only do they have to work year-round on their baseball and obviously play their minor league seasons, uh, but they have to work other jobs to support themselves because they're not making a livable salary off of just baseball. And uh, and and now that their season's been canceled and they're making nothing from baseball and they don't have the chance to play, um, it it really makes absolutely no sense to me. I do understand that it costs money to run these leagues, um, but if the MLB can manage to get itself prop, propped up and play a shortened season... Uh, you would assume that they could provide a better level of support to all these minor league teams. I mean, they're really the minor league teams really are an extension of the major leagues. And at this point, there are a lot of players who, uh, because of what's going on in the pandemic and because they don't have their minor league seasons, may not be able to come back to the sport. Um, so it's obviously extremely frustrating. And uh, they've been having to find these minor league players interesting ways to try to cope. Um, So breaking down a little more of the minor league system, uh, just so you can wrap your head around exactly how much money these people are missing out on. Uh, During a typical year, most minor league players are going to struggle to pay, again, um, all of their bills with just their money from the minor leagues. The minimum weekly pay at rookie, short season, and Class A levels is $290 a week. Uh, at the AA level, 
a minimum of $350. AAA is $502. Um, and on top of all this, no one is paid during the offseason or spring training. Um, so this has now become what normally would have been the regular season for them, their offseason extended. Uh, so, again, they're making no money right now. Um, in 2018, the average player salary was $6,000 in single A, $9,350 in double A, and 15000 in triple A. Um, so, obviously, a lot of players are struggling to stay afloat right now. Um, people have been um, panicking I mean, for lack of a better word, uh, Ivan Peleas, he was a pitcher for the Tampa Bay Rays double-A affiliate, the Montgomery Biscuits. Uh, he started panicking, he said, as soon as he was told in the meeting that spring training was canceled and everyone was being sent home. Because he didn't know if he was going to get paid his $400 a week. And if that didn't happen, he knew he wouldn't be able to pay his bills and put food on the table for his two sons. Now, moving forward, uh, he immediately got a job at Home Depot. Um, so now he's working at Home Depot. Uh, he said he still has yet to hear um, from his minor league affiliate about anything that he should be doing, um, let alone from the MLB. The MLB has kind of completely isolated themselves, not really providing a lot of support. Um, so you're seeing a lot of people who could have potentially been in the major leagues in a few years um, now working average, everyday jobs, attempting to make ends meet. Um, and when you would assume that they could get some relief, some dedication to their contracts, but sometimes sports is a cold business, and we're seeing that with baseball right now, and especially with the minor leagues right now. And uh, yeah, so I just I wanted to dedicate some time to talk about those minor leagues. I would love to give you a solution. I would love to say that moving forward, the MLB has a plan to to help these minor league teams and to make sure everyone rebounds and gets the money they were due. Um, but I think a much more likely scenario is the MLB tries to pretend that this didn't happen. Uh, they try to just smooth it over. Hopefully the 2021 minor league seasons can, uh, can come back and be a thing. And if I had to guess, that's, that's probably the route they're going to go. Um, it's definitely not fair to the minor league teams. Hopefully we can kind of raise awareness for this issue and try to bring it to the forefront to allow uh, for more discussion and potentially um, put the pressure on the MLB to help out these minor league teams. But as of now, uh, all we can do is continue to hope and continue to watch the MLB season and hopefully things change in the near future. Um, now, little preview of what's to come in the next few segments for today. Um, today, really, one of the biggest themes that, uh, somewhat unintentionally, but I guess it became a theme of what today's show is going to be, is how all of these uh, COVID-19 outbreaks across different sports, as we've seen certain college football players, certain NFL players, even NBA players struggle to deal with quarantining, struggle to stay regimented and stay in whatever specific area or whatever specific plans that their organizations have laid out for them. Uh, we talked about baseball already and how the Marlins had that huge outbreak. Um, but it's, it's not just baseball. A lot of players are finding it more difficult than they anticipated uh, to follow these guidelines. And, and really, as we've learned, the, the six feet social distancing, um, the small crowds, the, the being outside, the mask wearing, 
I mean, it does all help. There is a reason that, uh, that the government and scientists are pushing these things, and it's because that's how you limit the spread of the virus as effectively as possible. I've covered multiple times how I am of the opinion that I think we need to open back up the economy. Um, we do need to be safe, however. And when you're dealing with, uh, we have to remember here, in most cases, professional athletes are still young men, uh, young women. These are not um, these are not super old people. Generally, we're talking uh, well below forty. In, mo- in many cases, in their early twenties. Uh, so these are people who probably are still very social, uh, trying to get out, trying to have some fun. And when you lock them in bubbles in these regiments, you can see how they're slipping up from time to time. Um, but the consequences are large, and they do affect everyone involved, from the fan to the player to the coaches, the ownership, the front office, uh, the organization, the leagues, everything across the board. Um, so we're going to talk a little bit about the struggles in both the NBA first, uh, then the NCAA and the NFL, how all these sports are interconnected, and how uh, struggles in one can lead to struggles in another. Um, so with that, um, I think we'll send it to a quick break before we get into a segment discussing the NBA season and potential struggles that they may have, although they did have a great opening night last night. Um, so here comes a short break. Want to give your family or loved one the perfect gift? Then go online and check out the TornadoBodyDryer.com. I love mine and the warm heat air massage it gives me after my shower. The Tornado Body Dryer is super. You'll love it and you'll love having one in your shower. This is Dr. Susan Blank, host of Detailing Addiction and medical director of the Atlanta Healing Center. Please join me on Tuesday afternoons at 4 p.m. Hi, I'm Dr. Mike Karuchak. Join me and my co-host, Dr. Hal Schertz, every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. and listen to the Doctor's Lounge, where you get a private insight into the conversations that doctors have amongst themselves. Join us Thursday, 8 a.m. every week. Hi, I'm Steve Ronaldo, host of the Classic Car Show on America's Web Radio, talking to you about antique car insurance. Uh, in this hobby uh, that I've been part of for years, not all insurance companies and insurance coverage is the same. I would suggest that you call J.C. Taylor or visit jctaylor.com to find out some information about some of the best antique car insurance you can get, such as agreed value. Uh, insurance for your classic car. Again, if you're, when you get ready to, to, uh, insure your classic, classic antique or even your street ride, call JC Taylor Insurance or visit jctaylor.com. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio and welcome back to Billion Dollar Ballers. Uh, we've got a great second segment here, excited to talk about NBA news. And uh, in my mind, uh, the NBA is actually the sport in the league that has best handled uh, this coronavirus issue, um, at least in terms of the, the big three, as, as they're called, the NBA, NFL, and MLB. Um, we've seen other sports leagues, uh, like we've seen the UFC, um, 
in many cases, European soccer, especially English Premier League soccer, we've seen them handle this whole thing extremely well in their own ways. But the NBA's bubble idea down in Disney World has proven to be extremely effective. Um, and they've actually been sticking to it very strongly. There have been several players. Um, my personal favorite, Lou Williams, went to Atlanta to go to a strip club. Um, obviously not something you should be doing in a bubble-type scenario with a pandemic going on. Um, but he was immediately told that he had to do a long quarantine. Um, any player who leaves ends up having to do a quarantine specified by the league. They've had great testing, and actually... Since midway through July, zero positive COVID tests in that bubble. So what the NBA is doing, although it's obviously not the easiest solution and it's not cheap either, it's been extremely effective in limiting the virus. And it paid off last night with the return of the league's regular season. Um, as we know, the NBA is going to have an eight-game regular season, um, followed by an eighth and ninth seed play-in game and then your standard playoffs and uh, championship games. Uh, but one thing that hasn't changed, um, even through all of this, is the potential disaster scenario for the NBA in China. So we've talked about this before. Um, and, and honestly, I thought with the return, uh, with everything that's going on with coronavirus, that the Chinese government may make concessions and uh, kind of open up and allow the NBA back into China. Um, but as things stand, Chinese state TV maintains the blackout of NBA season, of the NBA season games as everything's resuming right now. Um, the Chinese CCTV um, has the exclusive rights to broadcast NBA matches in China. And uh, as of now, since, since again, that Daryl Morey, the GM of the Houston's Rockets, uh, since he tweeted in support of Hong Kong's pro-democracy protests, uh, the NBA has been totally shut out of China, and uh, nothing has changed. Um, the subsequent fallout has cost the league at least $300 million in revenue. So we're not talking about small amounts of money here. And uh, there's really no light at the end of the tunnel. It's unlikely that the games will ever return to Chinese platforms if the issues between the NBA and Chinese government are not solved. And um, at this point, one of the things that, one of the rumors, and again, I do want to specify that this is a rumor, but the biggest rumor has been that uh, the, the Chinese government will not allow the NBA back in unless the league makes a statement um, announcing their support for the Chinese government and denouncing protesters who in many cases are protesting for democracy in the country. Um, and, and that all obviously seems extremely unlikely, as much as the league would love to patch things up. Um, and they've tried to do so through various methods by hiring certain uh, high-level Chinese authorities to run parts of NBA China and things of that nature. Um, I don't know if they'll be able to come to the type of agreement they had before, um, and, and it is going to result in a loss of revenue, and obviously that's not a good thing. But there is a, a silver lining in all of this, and that is that as the league is struggling with everything going on in China, um, the return of basketball uh, via Turner Sports and via Disney has really 
proved that the NBA's brand is one of the best in not only the United States, but in the world. Uh, the ratings generated with these return games were actually incredible. Um, and to be honest, I think the best example of how powerful some of the ratings have been is uh, what the WNBA was able to generate. And that was the WNBA generated the most watched season opener. Um, again, they're calling this a season opener with the restart since 2012. Um, so the ESPN's WNBA opening weekend coverage on July 25th and 26th tipped off the season in the strongest way possible uh, with the Los Angeles Sparks and Phoenix, Mer Phoenix Mercury on ABC becoming, again, the most watched opener on ESPN since 2012. Uh, it had a four-game opening slate with an average of 401,000 viewers across ESPN and ABC. Um, now, those numbers are up 63% over the 2019 regular season debut, um, but it's also very unique to see the WNBA leading the pack in terms of sports viewership. Um, people often say that they enjoy the WNBA. It definitely is an extension of the NBA, but uh, historically it's kind of been, um, it's kind of lagged behind the NBA in terms of viewership, popularity, things of that nature. But uh, with the WNBA generating numbers like this in the return, I think it's just showing how sports-starved uh, we were as a country and how, how much fans are really appreciating the return of these sports. And, uh, and that includes every sport. And so with these higher ratings, uh, it does bode well for future bumps in revenue from TV contracts and things of that nature. So maybe you can make up some of the China money there. Um, so, some positive and negatives here, but maybe they'll end up offsetting each other. I still think there will probably be more of a loss from China than, than an amount gained by increased TV ratings, but you got to look at the positives here. Um, and another positive, Turner Sports, uh, the presenter of all these NBA games with Disney, has just announced that they have sold out of ad time for the NBA's abbreviated regular season restart. <laughs> Um, now, that is exceptional. Um, as we know, the the restart commenced last night, and the uh, the playoffs are set to begin August 17th. Um, and the good news is, in the words of Turner Sports, we are left with a season of just the best of the best. Every game matters. Uh, it's a short, condensed season, and uh, Turner said they didn't have to sell out for months. Um, they just happened to sell out in just a few weeks because so many companies want a piece of this action. Obviously, we're getting great games. Uh, everyone, or everyone, not everyone, but many people love the NBA. It's one of the most loved sports in America and the world. It has the best premier talent, um, and people always want to be a part of that. But in terms of adver advertising and ad spend, um, there's a reason that major companies are spending more money to buy slots now than they have before. And that's because so many people are still at home. So many people have been watching uh, Tiger King or, or the Jeffrey Epstein documentary on Netflix or, or The Last Dance or uh, you name it. People have been watching it. And now they have sports back and the NBA is leading the pack and going right into a playoff race. Um, and, and that's going to command so many eyes 
such high ratings, and it's, it, it makes sense why major companies would want to spend their money to get in front of all these fans. Um, a little a little background information on where you're going to be seeing all these different ads. Uh, Turner's TNT is splitting coverage of the NBA season with Disney. Obviously, uh, Disney is the owner of ESPN and the ABC networks, um, and games can also be shown on the Turner-operated NBA TV moving forward. Um, so many different ways to watch uh, some of your uh, some of your favorite NBA teams. Um, and again, one of the other things Turner Sports said is not only have uh, many companies been spending a lot of money to buy the ad slots, they've also been spending a lot of money to create unique, engaging ads. Um, so I don't want to go as far as to say everything's going to be Super Bowl quality, um, but, but you're going to see a higher quality of commercial, um, and in many cases incorporating, uh, I would assume, um, social justice messages we've seen with the return of the NBA, the Black Lives Matter t-shirts, the kneeling during the anthem, um, all the things of that nature, promoting different social justice messaging, um, the names on the back of the jersey, and so on. Um, and, and regardless of how you feel about any of that, it's very clear that this is a, uh, a restart that keeps in mind many social justice messages um, and really uh, conversations of equality and things of that nature. And uh, it doesn't matter how you individually feel about this cause. It does draw more attention, more media coverage to the league, which, again, is just going to help the numbers. It's going to ensure that there's continued ad spend, continued higher TV revenue, um, and, and overall, it's just a very good thing. Um, so that's what's been going on in the NBA recently. Again, probably one of the leagues that I have to talk about. Coronavirus struggles the least. Um, but they have their own struggles going on right now, and they're persevering in their own way. So definitely watch, uh, watch some of these NBA games. They're a little bit different. Um, no fans in the stadiums, obviously. They, they had virtual fans the other day, which... Definitely interesting to watch. Um, but, uh, again, some great basketball. So if you missed the Clippers and Lakers last night or you missed Zion coming back against the Jazz, don't worry. A lot of great games coming up. It's going to be pretty much constant NBA action for the next couple months. A uh, little preview of our next segment. Um, our next two segments are somewhat closely tied together. In our next segment, we're going to focus on some NCAA football updates, um, some very, uh, let's just call it uh, unique things that are happening in NCAA football right now, some changes that uh, even I didn't anticipate, some things I hadn't really considered that are happening, and we're going to talk about what they are, how they're affecting not only uh, NCAA and, and revenues there, but how they're going to, in the future, in the potentially very near future, affect the flow of talent to the NFL. Um, so we'll take a short break and be right back with uh, discussions of NCAA football and the NFL. 
The Docs for Patient Care Foundation is your way to join the fight and become a member of an organization created by doctors for patients dedicated to fighting for your health care freedom and preserving the doctor-patient relationship. Get a pen and paper. Write down docsforpatientcarefoundation.org. That's D-O-C-S, the number four, patientcarefoundation.org. Go to our site and please make a generous tax-deductible donation and join the fight today. Thank you. Whether cruising the Strip in a 57 Chevy or taking the family on a vacation in a 71 Oldsmobile Vista Cruiser, you need to tune in to Classic Cars with Steve Ronaldo and Jim Weber every Saturday from 8 to 9 a.m. on AmericasWebRadio.com. And before we get back to uh, Jack, I wanted to uh, mention a couple of things. If you'd like to participate in Billion Dollar Ballers, Give me a call, David at America's Web Radio, and uh, we'll talk about it or email me, David at America's Web Radio.com, and uh, I'll be glad to call you back and tell you how you can be involved in participating in many shows, as a matter of fact. Uh, get the word out. We're open for business, and we're looking for you, and we're doing the same thing. We've never stopped, even... Uh, even at the worst of the worst, uh, America's Web Radio, we kept coming in and we kept broadcasting great shows like the Doc- Doctor's Lounge, uh, the Classic Car Show on tomorrow, and uh, we have our Day One, which is uh, religious shows on Sunday, and it just goes, the list just goes on and on. So if you're interested, it's very reasonable. We touch the world, literally. We have a great audience in Australia, New Zealand, the UK. And uh, if you'd like to, and it, it, we're talking about pennies. We're not talking about big bucks at all. But let people know that you're open for business, just like Parker Davis Quickstakes has, and they do very well on our land surveying show. With that being said, let's get back to Mr. Billion Dollar Baller, Jack. Thanks, David. Uh, very excited to be back with you guys again, uh, talking about some NCAA football, some of the fallout, recent updates, and uh, how that's going to affect the NFL moving forward. And some of these things just might surprise you. Um, so I don't know if everyone's seen, but I'll, I'll bring it up because, yet again, another example of coronavirus fallout and uh, how damaging it's been to not only college football, but the whole college sports system as a whole. Uh, the SEC, uh, many consider the SEC to be the greatest conference in college football, certainly talent-wise, it provides a lot of players to the NFL. Um, and, and the SEC just announced, somewhat surprisingly, that they will be going to a conference-only schedule. Um, the SEC, if I had to pick one college football conference that would be the most stubborn conference when it comes to uh, coming back, playing football, and, and trying to keep things business as usual, it would have been the SEC. Um, and now that they've gone to the conference-only schedule, um, I think it's safe to be somewhat afraid of, uh, of uh, whether or not the college football season will happen at all. Um, they've put in some pretty strict regulations in terms of quarantining, coronavirus regulation, things of that nature. Um, but it's, uh, it's 
it does not bode well that a conference such as the SEC had to take this type of drastic measure. Um, and obviously, as the virus continues to rage, and, and especially in the United States as it continues to rage, um, athletes are getting uh, athletes are getting scared. And um, the NCAA recently did announce that they're allowing an opt-out clause, uh, allowing players to opt out of this upcoming season if they do wish to do so. Um, and that's really what I wanted to talk about in this schedule, um, and that is, will a delayed college football season or potentially conference only or who knows, schools could still shut down their entire season, will that lead to a mass exodus of the elite college football talent to the NFL draft? Um, and in the words of uh, a conference commissioner, quote, everyone is scared that this is what's going to happen. Um, obviously, uh, to a degree less so than, um, than some other, other leagues or other sports, the Division I college football in the NCAA is star-driven. Um, last year it was Trevor Lawrence, Tua Tagovailoa, uh, some of some of the top-rated quarterbacks. Um, and this year, one of the players that was due to be a star in college football was Caleb Farley. Now, if you don't know who Caleb Farley is, he was a cornerback for Virginia Tech. Um, he earned all ACC honors last season, and he's considered by scouts to be a first-round pick for the NFL draft. Um, and Caleb just became the first high-profile player to opt out of the upcoming Division One football season, um, this is this is huge news because, as we know in sports, all it takes is one, and people will follow. Um, Farley, by all accounts, was expected to continue his stardom at Virginia Tech, um, and he was considered, hopefully, at the end of the year, to go into the NFL draft. But with his worries about coronavirus, and as he's opted out. Uh, he's suddenly become one of the busiest players in the sport. Um, his announcement on Wednesday that he was opting out, opting out probably is going to make him a trendsetter um, as other players decide to opt out. And uh, personally, I, I cannot blame them for doing so. Uh, they would be taking immense injury risk, as there always is with players returning for college football seasons. Um, not only injury risk, you now have to put the coronavirus risk on top of that uh, with the likelihood that they could potentially contract coronavirus. Um, and, and as the majority of conferences have yet to solidify their path forward for this season, we have no idea how we're going to get to a national champion here, especially if teams are only playing their conference schedules. We don't know how the playoff is going to be played. We don't know what bowl games will look like, how travel um, how travel will be handled. Not to mention, uh, we can't forget that these are students. Uh, they probably don't know if their classes are online, if they're in person, how things are changing like that. So there's a lot of unknown and a lot of risk. Um, and the conferences and the teams really can't present a clear answer to anybody right now. Um, and if you, if, if you were a player and you had no certainty of how things were going to unfold, there is one way you could gain some certainty, and that would be by opting out and training for the NFL draft. Um, and I think that that's what's going to happen uh, to a lot more players. Uh, 
Yahoo Sports has mentioned um, that they think 10 to 12 players will follow Farley's lead. Um, several other people have estimated it could be as high as 35 or 40. Obviously, it's not easy uh, to estimate that number. Uh, we have no idea how many players are actually going to opt out. Um, but the longer the season's pushed back, uh, the more uncertainty there is, and I expect there will be a lot of uncertainty. The more players are expected to follow in Farley's footsteps and opt out. Um, to be clear, there, there really aren't a ton of players of his caliber. Um, most of the players opting out are going to be what we'd consider quote-unquote NFL locks, uh, players that scouts predict to be first or second round picks. Um, but there are there are several players who could follow in his path. And if that does happen, we have to consider how that would affect uh, college football moving forward. We're talking about a, a whole host of stars who were due to be the marquee players of the college football sport, um, no longer being there for next year. Um, so you could see a hit in the NCAA ratings as, uh, as the casual fans at home don't know who they're watching anymore because a whole generation of stars has skipped out for the NFL. Now, it could bode well for the NFL. Um, we could be seeing the NFL get um, a bunch of new young stars that uh, may have otherwise stayed a few years in college, but now they need that guarantee. They need that money on the table because uh, who knows what can happen. It's always a risk staying in college, but now it's a potentially even larger risk, um, especially when we consider that there are talks of the season getting pushed to the spring. Um, if it does get pushed to the spring uh, and the NFL's been trying to hold firm on their draft process, um, but if it does get pushed to the spring, we're now talking about players playing an intense foot college football season schedule, um, which many have said is m more vigorous than even the NFL schedule, going right into draft prep immediately following and then immediately after that the start of the NFL season. So we're talking about a timeline here where Players could risk injury, uh, even if they do decide to go to the NFL, if they don't skip out on the college football season. Um, so I'd be shocked if Caleb Farley is the only one to opt out. I think we're going to see this become more of a trend, um, and it's going to set us up for a, uh, a unique college football season this year, obviously, and uh, potentially next year and in the years to come. Um, now, talking about some of the other sports um, across college, um, one thing that teams have been doing lately, and I wanted to touch on this because uh, for those of you who listen on my show frequently, uh, my brother Max, he does play Division One lacrosse at UMass right now. Um, so he's kind of my window to a lot of what college athletes are going through on a daily basis. Now, I just wanted to share a story that he told me recently, um, and, and that was, that his team has been conducting a lot of these online uh, virtual meetings to try to get prepared and plan. And one of the rules that they put in place, um, and I, again, I'd, I'd assume that this is uniform across most schools, is that they will not be having full practices. Um, they will be maintaining uh, smaller groups, smaller group training sessions, uh, and, and I think the number that he told me was 10 people. They're allowed to have 10 people 
interacting at one time on the field. Now, that includes your medical staff, your trainers, your coaches, and your players. So it's not a whole lot of people. Um, and, and some colleges, I know, aren't even allowing any practices. But you have to think of the impact in a sport like lacrosse or a sport like college football, um, where there are typically, uh, obviously, well over even 10 players just on the field at one time. Um, you could see a dip in the quality of play, for sure. Um, certain sports like basketball, where there's five people on the court, and you can probably limit it to one or two coaches and a couple trainers, might be a little easier. But in these sports like football and lacrosse, where there's 20-plus players on the field at a time, uh, it, it's going to be really difficult to replicate in-game scenarios at practice. Um, and that's, again, going to cause a drop in the, in the quality of play. Um, and in, in my mind... You already struggle uh, in college football with a lower, a much lower quality of play than the NFL. Um, but one of the saving graces of that is that oftentimes you have increased scoring, more excitement, more creativity on the offensive side, um, and, and that can obviously be a plus. But I think that uh, the on-court, on on-field production of these players you're going to see some sloppy play out of a lot of these athletes, and that's not their fault. It's a, it's a byproduct of the situation. Um, but again, everything in sports gets back to the business side, gets back to the, the dollars and cents of the matter. And when you have sloppy play, when, when players aren't able to put in the time or the situations that they normally would, what you're going to end up seeing is, uh, is it's going to mean a loss of viewership, a further loss of revenue, um, and moving forward, uh, program business struggle. And um, it'll be something you have to follow. We don't typically talk about the on-field performance as much on this show, um, but it's always important to think that uh, it does matter, especially when it comes to future earnings of these schools. Um, so moving on, we'll talk in our next segment a little bit about how all of this is tied in, how all of this is connected to the NFL. Um, the NFL, again, did recently cancel their preseason. Uh, they're getting ready to come back now. They're dealing with their own coronavirus struggles. Um, in many ways, I think what we could see there could be similar to what's going on in baseball, um, where you have some of these breakouts causing uh, doubt over whether they'll be able to function. Um, and and how will the NFL be affected if there is that mass exodus of players? Obviously, we know they'll get an increase in talent, um, but is it going to cause a drop-off in talent um, for, for the, the year after that? Um, and how would that affect how teams not only prepare to deal with coronavirus, but potentially prepare to, uh, to, to tank to try to, to try to get some of these good players in the draft, and maybe it completely changes the shape of the league. Uh, maybe your powerhouse franchises are shifted as you get a draft that has a, uh, a deeper talent pool than is normally standard. How is that going to affect the league? So there's a lot of questions that need to be answered. Um, we won't necessarily give you the answers of what's going to happen, but we'll try to predict things that are going to happen. And, uh, and we'll take a look at what's been going on recently in the NFL in real time as, again, they struggle to cope with this whole coronavirus scenario. Um, so with that, we'll go into our last short break and get back to NFL football. 
You can keep your doctor, you can keep your plan, and every family will save thousands of dollars a year. I'm Ellen Deal, and if you've been hurt by the Affordable Care Act, you can email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com to see if we can help. Small business owners, individuals, families, and baby boomers, email MAGA45CAG at gmail.com for three easy questions to determine if you can get away from Obamacare. I'm a 20-year veteran of the insurance industry and here to help you for all your insurance needs. My name is Kyle Hayes, a motorsports student at Alfred State College. Every year, Alfred State students compete in the Great Race, which is a cross-country time endurance rally for vintage vehicles. As you can imagine, it's pretty costly. I'm asking for your help. Your donation can make it possible for these students to live their passion and promote the vintage automobile industry. Please visit our site at give.alfredstate.edu and search Great Race to learn more and help us reach our goal. Thank you. Again, I want to invite anyone that's interested in promoting their opening, if they are open, what the hours are. Uh, It doesn't matter whether you're in Atlanta, Georgia. We have listeners all over the country, and we'll be glad to work with you on a – we'll make you an national advertising deal that you really can't refuse. And we'll put your ads in great programs like – Jack's uh, Billion Dollar Ballers, uh, the classic car show that's heard all over the world. We get uh, emails from all over the world about uh, the classic car show. And many of our other shows, uh, the Doctor's Lounge, very interesting. It's what doctors are talking about in their lounges at the hospitals. And with everything that's been going on, very important. We also have Agent in Charge, and I know I'll put a smile on uh, Jack's face, with uh, Sandy Bostic. And uh, Sandy is a retired Homeland Security agent, and uh, he's got some really interesting stories. We've got on and on with great shows, and tune in on Sundays for our Day One program. Uh, Peter Wallace, and he puts together fantastic ministers that deliver the message. We look forward to hearing from you on America's Web Radio. Just contact GM, General Manager, America's Web Radio, and let us know what you're interested in. And we'll put together an advertising, national and international advertising program that will blow your mind. It will be so inexpensive. Helping you open back up as we all fight the coronavirus and terrorism. We'll be back with more of Jack and uh, Billion Dollar Bowlers. Ballers, not bowlers, but ballers. I don't know of any bowler that makes a billion. But anyway, we'll be back with Billion Dollar Ballers right after a couple more messages. The disease of addiction is a life-altering challenge, not just for the person suffering its effects, but also for the family and friends who support and love the one caught in its grasp. What should be the course of treatment? Who is the best person to render treatment? And what is the best place to go for the care that is needed? We know that you want answers to these and many more questions. Call 770-696-9862 and speak to a representative of the Atlanta Healing Center. They can tailor a program specifically designed to address the needs of the person suffering with an addiction or give you guidance as to where that help may be found. Information is the key, and the trained staff at AHC is here to assist. If you wish, you can also get more information on the website located at www.AtlantaHealingCenter.com. 
You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening. Welcome back to America's Web Radio, and welcome back to Billion Dollar Ballers for our final segment of the day, talking about NFL football. Uh, linking back to some of the things we talked about NCAA football in the last segment, um, but also talking about some new things that are coming and new challenges for the NFL. Um, and I want to open up, as we talked about opting out of the college football season, um, opting out of the NFL is something that has become reality as well. Um, even before the training camps began across the NFL recently, uh, it was obvious this 2020 season would not be normal. Uh, teams had to take new precautions to combat the COVID-19 pandemic. Uh, fan capacity in stadiums could be limited or halted altogether. Uh, there's now no preseason, as was recently announced, and uh, the lost revenue can affect their salary cap through at least 2024. Um, but the immediate impact of the coronavirus is becoming increasingly apparent as certain players uh, have decided that the risk is simply not worth it. Uh, Chiefs starting guard Laurent Duvernay-Tardis became the first player to publicly opt out of the season. That was this last week. But the first wave of multiple opt-outs uh, has been occurring recently. Interestingly, one of the teams that's had the most opt-outs is the New England Patriots. Uh, <clears throat> many players have started to follow suit as... Uh, their right tackle, uh, another offensive lineman, their fullback, and a defensive lineman have all opted out from the Patriots. Uh, Major League Baseball's restart has had a lot of players opt out as well. Um, so we're seeing this kind of across all sorts of leagues. But as of now, the NFL's current total of opt outs is more than 20 players. Uh, again, the deadline for players to opt out of the 2020 season is August 4th. And uh, for those who do opt out, uh, if they do voluntarily sit out, they will receive a $150,000 stipend. Um, and, and players who do do this voluntary opt out must be under contract or subject to tender. Uh, their contract will toll and will be applicable the following year, but the player will not accrue a season. Uh, so. That's saying if they do return in 2021, uh, they'll just be getting their 2020 salary, and it'll essentially be like um, kind of nothing happened. Players who are considered high-risk players will be receiving a $350,000 stipend. Um, and to be considered high-risk, they have to have a diagnosis of one of the conditions listed by the CDC and prevention. Um, and if they're eligible, uh, they will earn an accrued season towards free agency, and all benefits, uh, so that will include minimum salary for accredited season. So that's pretty interesting. The NFL is handling opt-outs a little bit differently than many of the other leagues have. Um, but again, with the revenue being affected until 2024, I just wanted to mention how interesting it could be to see a sudden influx of talent with NCAA players opting out. Um, if those players opt out, if they prepare for the draft, head right into the draft, um, we could see, obviously, uh, a boosted draft year um, with more talent than we may have before. And if that's the case, it's going to mean that teams are going to get a lot of quality players on some cheaper, lower-end contracts than they normally would. Um, and this is something that could help them make up for a lower salary cap as they pay younger players smaller amounts um, and are able to save a little bit of money. 
Um, so it's pretty it's pretty interesting all the things that are happening right now, um, and and we'll, I'm sure we'll continue to see more opt outs. Obviously, uh, we talked about already more opt outs in college football. I think we'll see more opt outs in the NFL as well. Um, I think most of the stars of the NFL season will play again. We've still got a little time before that season starts, so they can try to learn from the mistakes of baseball and hopefully do a better job with their processes and a better job in protecting against the spread of the virus. But uh, but for some people, it's just simply not worth the risk. Um, so it'll be interesting to follow and see how the NFL handles that. Again, some key dates for the NFL. Um, the season's still currently set to open with the Texans at the Chiefs on September 10th. Um, then January 3rd will mark the final day of the regular season, and if all goes well, a Super Bowl scheduled for February 7th at Raymond James Stadium in Tampa Bay. Uh, if there is a delay, they're going to get rid of those bye weeks again. Um, and, and I'd like to mention that there is still, uh, although it seems extremely unlikely, a possibility of fans in stadiums for the NFL. Um, they're they're going to try to limit these fans. They're going to try to have the hand sanitizer, temperature testing, masks, all these things. Um, but but it'll be uh, it'll be interesting as the NFL is really the last season that's going to kick off here. Um, and, and and as America's sport comes back, we'd love to see them be successful. I'm really hoping that they can pull it off. Um, we talked last week about how players were concerned about the plan that the NFL had rolled out. The NFL has updated that plan somewhat. Uh, the players seem a little more appeased. Um, I know that uh, Odell Beckham, a receiver for the Browns, came out, and he made a statement basically saying that uh, while he was unhappy with what the league had done previously, um, he was content with the fact that they had put out a new plan. Um, so, so we're seeing different sides. We're seeing players opt out for... Um, for many of their own reasons, but we're also seeing a lot of players excited to play, anxious to get back on the field, and uh, and the NFL seems to be handling it uh, at least decently well so far. Although there have been a few positive COVID tests so far, um, and I did want to touch on what happened test positive for coronavirus. Um, and when an NFL player does test positive for coronavirus, they will be put onto that... Uh, that commissioner's exempt uh, list. They're going to be quarantined for a certain amount of time. Um, and that's really the NFL's plan uh, in this COVID-19 era is uh, obviously constant testing, trying to limit the amount of players who get it. But if they do get it, um, it, it kind of just follow. It's similar to that injury reserve that the NFL has. Um, so the NFL kind of has had a system where they'll be able to handle all of this, um, and they think that that's the best way to handle it, and, and we'll see how that does work out. Um, now, I, I did want to reserve a small amount of time at the end of today's show uh, to discuss things that we can talk about moving forward, things that are coming up, uh, and just some interesting, fun stories. Um, so Patrick Mahomes recently became uh, a very wealthy man with signing the largest contract in professional sports history for the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, and how did he follow that up? Well, he followed that up by becoming a part owner of the Kansas City Royals. Um, this could mark an interesting shift in the trend as professional sports contracts get larger and larger. 
we could see current players becoming owners of sports teams. Um, as many people know, a sports team is obviously an incredible investment, usually reserved for some of the world's wealthiest individuals. But as these contracts are getting bigger, uh, players are wealthy enough to afford sports teams while they're playing. Um, and this is an interesting shift, as we've often examined the power dynamic between ownership and the players. It's pretty cool to see players becoming owners, and maybe this will signal a shift in the way that business is done and in fairness to uh, of contracts and fairness of the social justice issues to all these players. We might see some shift in that. Um, so just a small story that I wanted to touch on there. Um, some Another small story, something interesting. The uh, PLL Premier Lacrosse League is back right now. Um, we've talked about them in the past. We know that they don't actually have ties to any individual cities or anything of that nature, but they, too, had some of the highest ratings over the past week, um, right up there with the WNBA. And uh, as we see the numbers roll in, I'm sure the NBA will be at the top of the list. But interesting to see that Americans are willing to watch any sport right now, um, and it could really bring some eyes to a sport like the PLL and like lacrosse that's still growing, um, and that was great to see as well. Um, so next week we'll continue to discuss some of these topics, discuss uh, some new topics moving forward. Um, as we see what goes on with the PLL, we get the ratings back for the NBA, um, and hopefully we deal with a little less fallout than we did this past week of positive COVID tests. Um, whether that be in the MLB, in baseball, in the NFL, uh, in the NCAA, or in any other sport. Um, so, again, it's been a great show today, Billion Dollar Ballers, every Friday at 9 a.m. Um, if you do want to be a part of the show, please reach out to David. Uh, please, we'd love to have you. We'd love to advertise your business and or your product Um it's a, it's a great platform. We have a lot of fun on this show and definitely excited to keep talking about the latest and greatest news regarding the business of sports. Uh, so with that, I'm Jack Christie. This has been Billion Dollar Ballers. Thanks for listening uh, and can't wait for next week. You're listening to America's Web Radio on the AmericasBroadcastNetwork.com. Thank you for listening.